The Toby Gribbon Show. Highlights. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Leo F. Armbrust is an inspirational author and former Catholic priest. Leo's book, Only the Wounded May Serve, serves as a compassionate healing guide and roadmap to personal success, helping readers discover the right questions to ask in order to find happiness, self-esteem and inner peace through self-examination and personal transformation. And Leo is on the line with us here. It's a return visit. Good to speak to you again, Leo. Thank you, Toby. It's good to be with <laughs> With you again. So, just for people that can't remember, because it has been nearly a year, just remind us what the book Only the Wounded May Serve is all about. Well, it's an accumulation of stories, anecdotes, parables, tales of inspiration and insight that I hope are a means for reflection. And as I shared with you before, Toby, I think we're in a world today where people don't stop and ask themselves the right questions. In beginning, for instance, any relationship, it's always good to stop, think, and reflect and ask oneself, what am I really looking for? What do I want? What do I need? Those questions aren't always identical by the same meaning in terms of their answer. And I, th I think until we really identify the right question, we're wandering around in the dark, stumbling over furniture. And I, I, I try to pose to the people today in this book certain anecdotes just to get them to think and to spend some time in quiet reflection. So what are some examples of some of those anecdotes? One of the stories I like to tell, and I open up my book with this story, is about a man who decides to build a sailboat and circumnavigate the globe. And he does so. It takes him about a couple of years. He finally completes his task. And he sets sail from, the, from California across the Pacific. And wouldn't you know it, some unexpected storm maroons him on a coral atoll uh, near an adjacent island. And the sailboat is wrecked beyond repair. He's able to, like many stories, accumulate as much of the salvage that he can from the sailboat, swims to the shore, and realizes that he's desolate on this island. And he begins to realize I got to make the best of it. Builds himself a shelter and after a while acclimates himself to the island. And one day while he is out looking and foraging for food, he looks back to see this huge billowing fire and smoke. And he runs back to discover that the fire that he had set near his campsite had caught everything ablaze. Wow. He was in utter and total despair. 
cursing God, pounding the sand. He was he was emotionally and physically exhausted and collapsed on the beach. The next day, he's awakened by the waves splashing against his face. And he looks up to see this four-masted schooner in the bay. <laughs> and from the bay, or from the boat, are two men in a rowboat who are rowing to him. He immediately jumps up and starts running through the water at them and screaming, how did you know I was here? <laughs> and one of them yells back, we saw your signal fire. And I think the moral of that story is the most difficult, challenging, desperate circumstances that we encounter in life have an outcome of unexpected goodness if we allow ourselves to see it. No matter how tragic it can be or heartbreaking, something unexpected will happen that takes something that's profoundly disabling and turn it into a great outcome. But we don't see it when it happens. Yeah. It's difficult to be optimistic like that when the most terrible thing imaginable has just happened, isn't it? It, it is. And, and, and I... I I hate to, how shall I say it, uh, water down the experience of loss of employment, a divorce in a relationship, a breakup, uh, death, but all the separations and losses that we experience in life bring outcomes in our emotional and physical well-being that can be incredibly detrimental if we don't know how to respond to them. Sometimes after losing a job, you realise that you hated the job and the career and it was time for a change. Yes. Well, again, is it true, Toby, that everything happens for a reason? And and I think that's a, that's a question that, that people are asking themselves, or at least they should. And in the midst, in the throes of all this agony of, of incalculable loss, people have a, have a very difficult time struggling with what could be the positive outcome of someone's death or something, I've got cancer. I mean, what are the yeah. positive benefits when you're in the midst of the struggle and the suffering to see something positive. That idea of everything happens for a reason is, I suppose it's something that we all want to believe because it helps us through difficult times. Do you believe it's true? Because I guess there's some things like, as you mentioned, death and cancer, and I suppose war as well, where you kind of think, well, why did that happen? Surely there's no reason there. One of the stories that I tell in my book that's related somewhat to this is this married couple I knew 40 years ago. And no matter how much they tried, she could not conceive and bring to conception and birth a child. She'd had suffered innumerable miscarriages and they were giving up. And finally, finally, she was able to give birth to a little boy, cutest little boy you've ever seen, Toby. <laughs> and I was with them when the baby was born. Wow. The doctor sensed that there was something wrong. So they medevac the baby and the father to a hospital in Miami. Sadly, they had to bring the baby back to tell this woman, this mother of this little boy, that he was born with half a heart and there was no way to save him. This is what she looked up from me, from her bed, to me, from her bed and said, Father, can you ask me or can you tell me why God would ask me to carry this baby for nine months and then take him from me? What do you say to that? There is no answer. And, and you know, Toby, the most difficult part of life is living with unanswered questions. And I couldn't give them an answer. As yeah. difficult as it is, they had to find the answer themselves. So are you sitting down? Yes. They adopted not one, not two, not three, not four, but five children. Wow. Now, if I had said to them, well, the reason is because now you can adopt, that is so callous and insensitive of me. I would expect any woman to shoot me if I 
comment. The only thing that would have been worse was, well, think of it as an angel in heaven now. Are you kidding me? Yeah. There are some answers that are so ridiculous you can't even <laughs> say them. It doesn't take the pain away. It doesn't explain it. It doesn't answer it. And that's why people have to ask the right questions. And it is right to say, why would God do this to me? And what you do is when you start asking that question is you start dealing with resentment, anger. You start dealing with issues that you blame God. And it's so completely understandable. If Jesus himself could hang from the cross and say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Those questions are no different than the ones we can ask of ourselves. Why have you forsaken? And the process of asking the right question begins the process of healing. As a former Catholic priest, do you think maybe more than average about this issue of why do these things happen? Because I suppose priests and people from other religions are going to be asked by people the most about why bad things happen, aren't they? Why does God allow suffering? And in other words, why would God do this to us? Why does this happen? Why does he permit it? Why doesn't he stop it? Why doesn't he interfere? All those things where we're asking God to prevent the normal aspects of life. There is no easy answer to those questions. Because if I tried to give you an easy, one-size fits all answer it's laughable i can't just say well it teaches us something well of course <laughs> it, you know it yeah. teaches us something yeah so what and i would say that most people learn more from failure and disappointment than they learn from success but that doesn't mean the loss of my child is going to explain something to me how this could be possibly make my life better and so i think anyone who tries to offer an answer to that question is is it's ridiculous it's yes doesn't apply. Because with all the wars we've had throughout all of history, you'd have thought we'd have learned whatever it was by now. We haven't. And, and no matter how great a student you are of history, we keep repeating the same mistakes. And as George Santayana says, he who ignores history is doomed to repeat its mistakes. And we do. We have a short-term memory. The book discusses the inner journey of self-examination and wellness. So how do you suggest readers actually begin that journey? I think the most important thing is it's like eating an elephant, one bite at a time. Yes. And when you read a book such as I've authored, you, I don't want you to read the whole thing all at once. You you eat it in small bites and then discuss it with someone or others that you're close to. Get their input, their ideas, their suggestions and responses. But most of all, spend some time in quiet reflection to think about what stories are in this book that have a personal application to your life. How does, how does that fit in me or someone else that I truly care about? How does that fit with them? What can they benefit by just examining this book and reading it and reflecting on it? The one thing I don't want to do is give people answers because that's that's ludicrous. <laughs> How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. If, if I could have all the answers to the questions that people were asking, you and I wouldn't be talking because yeah. the line would be so long to get to see me, they wouldn't have time. Yes, true. I, I, I think here, Toby, and you're, you're right on track with this. People are desperate for answers. Who do you who do you trust anymore? You can't trust government who and the people we look up and idolize, you know, for whatever reason, they could be in entertainment, the politics, religion, whatever it is. We've discovered they've got chinks in their armor. The emperor has no clothes, play feet, that everyone has weaknesses, blemishes, scars, all of those things. And we realize that the people we were looking up to have failed us. And the issue, once the issue of trust is lost, there's nothing in a relationship that's left to save. True. Do you think that generally we should be looking up to idols as much as we do because as you mentioned some of them well everybody really has flaws to some extent well uh, that's a very good question (laughs) i I think that we all need role models those role models start out in our in our childhood with our parents and our extended family members be they brothers sisters aunts uncles cousins And immediately it branches out into people that we start to socialize with, our teachers in school, our coaches. And then once we start being captivated by someone who who exemplifies a certain prowess in sports or music or acting or theater, whatever it might be, if we're drawn to that particular appeal to us, then we adopt certain people we want to emulate. Yes. And then when we find out that they have a moral character that's lacking or their integrity is non-existent, we lose a certain amount of respect for them that they may well have 
the ability to do something that I don't have, but there there's something within them that's not as attractive. And last time we spoke, you said you'd begun working on a second book. How's that coming along? Oh my God, Toby, I'm so <laughs> glad you mentioned this. <laughs> oh my God. You were, and you know what? I struggled for the longest time with this. I wrote a children's book. It's about, it's something like Shel Silverstein's The Giving Tree, one of my favorites. You know, when he first wrote that book, he's originally from Key West, just south of me. When he first wrote that book, I don't think he sold 5,000 copies. Now he's sold over 9 million copies of the book. It doesn't have 1,200 words in the book. That's 1,200. And when it was first put out and published, people, you know, just, they, they just banned it because they thought it was so humiliating on the part of the tree. But even children's books have can impart some of the most basic fundamental lessons of life. So my story is about a crippled boy in northern Italy. And he's a single child. His parents are poor. His father works in one of the most famous quarries in Italy, Carrara. And uh, the boy is constantly being humiliated and bullied by his classmates. And his father comes home one day from the quarry to discover him crying behind the house. And his son relates to him that the, the bullies in his class took his crutch away because he limped so badly. They broke it in half and he literally had to hop his way, crawl his way home. And his father knew that he could not go back to the school to reprimand the bullies, nor could he console his son. So you know what he did? Got on a train with him the next day, his wife, Luigi's mother, packed the lunch, and off they went to Florence. They got from the train station and walked to the uh, Galleria de, dell'Accademia. And there they walked in to see one of the most magnificent pieces of marble that was ever sculpted, the David. Now, Michelangelo used to describe sculpture as releasing figures imprisoned in stone. He had the innate quality and capacity to look at a block of marble and see the figure within. Now, the statue of David is 17 feet high. And when it was originally quarried from the same quarry that this Luigi's father worked, it was damaged in transport to the city of Florence. And the sculptor by the name of Agostino Duccio started to work on this block of marble. Well, the more he worked on it, the worse it got. So it laid behind the cathedral in Florence for three three years. They even brought in Leonardo da Vinci for suggestions and what to do with this huge block of marble. Da Vinci kind of panned the whole idea and said, eh, sculpture like that is for workers, not artists. Well, there was one young man in the audience who didn't like what da Vinci said. And upon his return later from Rome, he discovered that block of marble was still laying behind the cathedral. His name was Michelangelo Buronati. It took him years to get the Florentine Board of Art and Works to agree to his commission. Well, because of the blemishes the, and the defects of not only the transportation of the marble, but what Augustino uh, Duccio had done to it, he made the contraposta pose, which has David with an elevated raised leg looking back over his shoulder. And if you look at it, his head is bigger than what the entire form of the torso should be. And so is his right hand. So what he did, he took the defects, the blemishes, the scars, the marks, and all of that, and he constructed something not only unique, but incredibly beautiful. So 
taking one's defects, one's idiosyncrasies, flaws or failings, and turning them into something beautiful is the task of all of our lives. But the ability to look into other people's lives and to see their beauty and how their defects and their weaknesses can become so. If I may add, when the Romans were sculpting marble and they would bring it to Rome, one of the things they used to do, if they found an imprecise, imperfect piece of marble, they filled it with wax. So a perfect piece of marble was called sine sero. Sine means without, sero means wax. So a beautiful, perfect piece of marble was sine sero, without wax. But there's also another meaning. Those pieces of marble with cracks and crevices that were not filled with wax were also called sine sero. So we get from that, those two words, sincere. So a person who is unafraid to show their weaknesses, their flaws, their failings, their imperfections, someone who's not afraid to do that is a sincere individual. That's my story. Yes. So when the father tells his son this, they're leaving and going back in the train station and he looks up at his father and he says, Papa, I I want to be sincere. And the father looks down at his son and says, as long as you strive to be yourself in life, you will be. That's the end of the story. So when do you expect your second book to come out? I'm working on it right now with a publishing company. And it's a very short book. But you know what's interesting? Because where you are, I live in the state of Florida. There was a school in Tallahassee that banned the book of David because of its, what? Nudity. (laughs) Right. So I'm thinking to myself, how do I get this cover of David on a book of a naked statue, which is a children's book? Can you imagine that some people would be so obviously embarrassed by it or turned off? That they would ban it. So, yeah. But that's it. So I'm dealing with that right now. It's weird, though, because you can go to see actual statues in real life at any age, and that's okay, but not if it's on the cover of a book, apparently. Correct. Well, you can go to the beach here in Florida, anywhere, and see more. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the wrong people there, though, isn't it? It's sadly. Um, <laughs> well, it's, it's, you know, it's like projection. We project onto others what we most despise within ourselves. And that, and that generates fear. When you're afraid of something or someone, it leads you to anger. And anger leads to hatred. And hatred always brings suffering. Well, after you've came out with a second book, do you have plans for a third or a fourth? Yes, I do. Even more? <laughs> I, I, right now, I'm writing a historical uh, fiction book on something I have discovered about an ancient culture. I'm 300 pages into the book, and I didn't know anything about this. It's the most shocking and surprising discovery I've ever made, and no one talks about it. I am so I'm I'm, I'm building this historical fictional book, not unlike Michener, what he would do and things like that. That I think of people a lot of people. It's a mystery. It's got intrigue. It's a whole bunch of things, and uh, I, I'm I'm excited about it. In the meantime, where can we find this book? Only the wounded may serve. The book is on Amazon, and uh, you can order it there. It's I think I think a lot of Toby. You always ask the right questions. I think a lot of people. I think a lot of people will be fascinated by it, and they share it with others. I, I, I you know, who I benefited from it? People in in addiction and recovery, especially people in AA. Yeah. So, it, it, I, which by the way, I think the twelve steps of AA are, are probably the 
in the, the wisest spiritual program I've ever, ever, ever yeah. read or experienced. <clears throat> so anyway, Amazon, the, uh, Amazon is the book. That's where you can get the book. It's Only the Wounded May Serve by Leo F. Armbrust. And uh, I'm sure the people will not only enjoy it, but give it enjoy giving it to others and invite them to read it as well. Excellent. Well, many thanks for joining us again today. Good to speak to you again. And hopefully Toby, you're the we'll best. speak to you soon. <laughs> you're the best. Don't lose your smile. The throbbing pulse of 